Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noll, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Eric Lee, welcome to Listening with Leaders. You are the co-founder and CEO of KarmaCheck, found at karmacheck.com, and you were also one of the original people involved in the startup, now known as LinkedIn. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Doug. It's great to be here. So uh, let's start off with a little background. What, what's your backstory? I know you're, you came out of engineering, but let, let's just hear your hear how things develop. Yeah, I, I grew up as a kid in uh, Silicon Valley. And uh, as, as many people know by now, uh, Silicon Valley is steeped in uh, technology. Uh, you, you breathe it and, and entrepreneurship uh, was really uh, part of that as well. And so I, you know, continued on and went to college at, uh, you know, Stanford and MIT. And so I definitely do have that kind of computer science uh, technical background. And uh, from a young age, I actually had entrepreneurial um, ambitions uh, as well. And so uh, in a way, you know, from a very early age, uh, you know, my interests, uh, you know, were identified and, you know, have come together. And, and when did you get started in Silicon Valley? Well, that should uh, date me if I actually answer that question. Because well, I'm going to uh, date myself. That's what I'm <laughs> I, I grew up there, so um, you know I uh, you know probably from the age of you know ten, uh, so it's been multiple decades uh, until you know very recently. Well, you'll be interested in knowing that I learned beginner all-purpose symbolic instruction code from John Kemeny at Dartmouth College in 1969, and I learned fascinating. To... I thought I knew everything about tech going all the way back, but these are some things that I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> we use punch cards and uh, hollow earth cards and punch tape to that had to then be fed into the machine to be optically scanned and uh, compiled. So we you learned to code parsimoniously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started in the era of uh, floppy disks. Um, yeah, so, you know, there was a phase there, of course. I thought that was a big deal. I mean, I remember, just to go back on memory lane, I remember back in 1971, there was a conference at Dartmouth and all of these people had these boxes and I went looking around and what are these things? And this guy said, well, this is a mini computer. And in 10 years, everybody's going to have one in their home. You know, and I'm working on the keyboard computer center with a gigantic building with a mainframe. I said, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and well, then, I've had my time in, you know, time sharing terminals and uh, there you go. Uh, some, some tapes as well. I remember those uh, in the early days of my, Exactly. Teenage years. So you've had how many? You've had a whole bunch of different experiences. Have you? How many startups have you been associated with? Uh, probably around four. You know, um, and uh, you know, as I became a professional, I, I, I did have an entrepreneurial itch, and so uh, you know, pretty soon after, you know, working for some of the larger companies like uh, Sun and IBM, um, you know, I, I wanted to 
you know, get into a startup situation and, you know, eventually uh, decided to, you know, start companies of my own as uh, co-founders. And so um, there's definitely been several, some more successful than others. That's the way it is, isn't it? <laughs> that uh, is a way. It's uh, it's better to be lucky than to, uh, you know, really know all that you're doing. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. yeah. So tell us a little bit about Karma Check. This is your current project. It is, uh, you know, Karma Check is a, a really, you know, special company, you know, for us. We are in the background check space, um, and uh, we're, we're trying to help make background checks, which uh, you know, all companies essentially run uh, on candidates uh, to try to make them faster and more efficient and and more automated. Uh, there are a lot of manual processes behind the scenes to get those things done, and uh, they really create these friction points for people to get to jobs uh, and opportunities. And so uh, we're trying to make that faster and help make the world move faster and uh, democratize uh, opportunity for people um, more. So mm -hmm. that's fun. And, and I, I take it that in your role as CEO, obviously you're, you're running the company and moving, guiding it along if it begins to grow and take off. Um, what, what is it that gets you really excited in the morning? to get you out of bed and to the office or to the computer or to the yeah. screen. Or, or maybe to emails. And or maybe lessons. email, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, I, I think one of the really, you know, great gifts of uh, being a founder entrepreneur is the, the fact that you have the opportunity to set uh, the agenda for your day. Uh, you know, your destiny is mainly determined by you and, what uh, you want to do, you know, each and every given day. Whereas if uh, maybe you're an employee, uh, you're getting direction from uh, your manager, uh, your supervisor, and and uh, you know things are you know well more well defined, uh, shall shall we say? And so you know every morning when I wake up, I I think about um, you know what's what's the best way that I can apply you know the hours uh, during the day to uh, furthering the the business. Um, and uh, the possibilities, you know, for our customers, and and that changes, and it's a creative process uh, to to you know figure out um, the possibilities, and and uh, so I, I'm motivated every day to get up and you know start uh, going to the computer, and uh, usually writing messages, um, yeah, but but also thoughts and and uh, figuring out what I should be planning for that day. Is is Karma Check um, remote or hybrid? Uh, we are fully um, distributed, and we started that way uh, about four years ago. Um, but we've gotten to the point now where the company is growing uh, so much. I feel, you know, some people feel like they miss that face-to-face -face, uh, interaction uh, sometimes. I do too. Uh, it can only take you so far, and so uh, hopefully, as we have pockets of people uh, in various parts of the country, we can start to maybe have, you know, small offices where people can go in and. Uh, do some work together and at least, uh, you know, uh, do some talking together and some brainstorming, hopefully. Yeah, you know, I hadn't really thought about that before, but you, if you have clusters, you can, you can really have like a cluster office where people can, can come and meet and, and talk and work together. Yeah. I mean, I think some people, you know, work really well independently, you know, they, they kind of have their own track. I'm probably one of those people who, mm -hmm. if you left me alone, I'd, I'd still be working. Uh, but right. there are other types of people who, uh, you know, they, they, they really, want to have that social interaction to, you know, get them moving. And, and so I think, you know, being able to spend time with other workers would be really valuable. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of like you, the best thing that happened to me was the pandemic in terms of getting people online. And, you know, 
in my, I do a lot of different things. I'm an arbitrator and a mediator and a peacemaker. And before people really got used to being online, I was sort of geographically limited to mostly California and maybe maybe Arizona and Western United States. But today, my business is all over the world. Really, really interesting um, consequence of forcing people online, which is pretty, pretty, pretty cool for me. I, I really enjoy that a lot. Um, so what is it you, you, you've been involved in some pretty big projects. What is, what is it that's unique about you, you think, that you've brought to the table that has allowed you to have the success that you've had? Well, I've always been kind of a, you know, multidisciplinary kind of guy. You know, I uh, do have a training in technology. Uh, as a kid, I, you know, played with computers. And so I've known technology for the longest time, you know, you know, down to the guts of the technology, you know, assembly language, you know, uh, type stuff. Mm -hmm. You probably know that too, Doug. Um, but I, I really am interested in, um, you know, uh, problems that people have. Uh, and applying, uh, you know, my tool set, uh, which often is technology, to uh, helping to solve their problems. And then I think the third part that I think is uh, pretty unique about me is that I, I am interested in business and all the kind of dynamics around that and, you know, go to market, you know, market sizing and, you know, understanding pain points um, and, uh, you know, kind of bringing those two aspects of technology and, uh, you know, uh, problems and pain points in the market uh, together. Um, and so uh, hopefully in the mix of all that, there's some kind of productive, uh, you know, uh, results, shall we say, that uh, can be done. So you've been, you have the ability because of your technological background to recognize there are techno technological solutions that are possible. And then you look into the market and you say, here are problems that need to be solved. And That's right. And here's how we can use technology to solve them. That's right. And, and, and I, I believe that, uh, you know, often um, understanding uh, what is not possible is, is also just as important, you know, what technology cannot do. Right. Uh, there, there are tons of problems out in the world uh, that actually cannot be solved in a kind of enterprise, you know, even for-profit setting. Yeah, look at what I do. to understand that too, right? <laughs> um, right. I mean, I help people deal with conflict. And I teach people how to de-escalate conflict. I think we're a long ways away from having technology take over people like me. <laughs> <laughs> or even AI, you know, for or that matter. AI. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been following the development of AI. And uh, what, what I don't see in any of the journalism is the fact that what separates us from all other species is that we're emotional beings. Humans have emotions. No other species have emotions other than humans. And, and emotions are embedded as a decision-making framework in us and because of our biological nature. And I don't think AI is ever going to be able to replicate human emotion because emotions are so deeply embedded in the living organism called a human being. Don't think AI, I don't think it'll ever get AI to that point. Um, but it, but it, so it's really interesting to watch people think about that. Um, so as as a guy who's done a bunch of startups and now you're working on Karma Check, what are the what are the kind of challenges that you see on a day to day basis that you have to deal with? The buck stops with you. Well, you, you what I would say to that is that uh, you know maybe one of the things that 
uh, people don't often realize is that um, the technology is actually the simplest, you know, part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a real challenge uh, in terms of uh, understanding, you know, what your customer needs, um, you know, what the market is looking for and how to, you know, bring a product to a market, um, you know, figuring that out, you know, in any given scenario is, is, is really a trick and it takes, you know, w- whether it's a founder or a, you know, team, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a, a lot of time to, to, to figure that out. There's a lot of experimentation, you know, to that as well. And so that is definitely something that, um, you know, one has to do continuously. And then I think the other thing is that, um, in my experience uh, as an entrepreneur uh, and, and, and just as a kind of company, you know, owner, you realize that, you know, people are your most important assets, but they're also, you know, people are also often, you know, present challenges of themselves, right? Getting a group to work well together, uh, you know, handling conflict, disagreements, mm-hmm. uh, even motivating a team and inspiring them um, and continuing to inspire them because the journey is often long, um, you know, there's some, you know, real challenges and things that you have to do along the way to, you know, keep everybody going, especially during the thin times. Oh, yeah. Um, well, this show is called Listening with Leaders for a reason, because <clears throat> I teach listening skills, deep listening skills, and I'm always interested in other people's perspectives on listening. Tell me, tell me about <clears throat> listening in your career, how important it is. Well, I... I, I value it so much. Uh, I think listening is one of those fundamental skills um, as a leader, which, you know, hopefully, you know, the best leaders, I would say, listen more than they, you know, speak. There, there's so much information coming at you uh, that, uh, you know, you want to, you know, process most of that and, and then kind of react to it in the best way uh, and then act. Um, and, and so, you know, listening, um, even when, either you know people or markets are telling you something very softly um those are often you know really important things that you ought to pay attention to um and 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 so you know like you said that you know i think cultivating a a, a, a talent or skill around how to pick up on those sometimes very weak signals and uh interpreting them you know um that's right. I think I think that that really helps uh, as a business leader. I, I I tell leaders that I coach, um, pay attention to your introverts. You know, you, you can kind of ignore your extroverts to a certain degree because they're going to make their presence no, <laughs> no matter what. The, uh, the uh, <laughs> introverts have a high signal to noise ratio, right? That's when right. they say something, it's usually uh, pretty, pretty important. Yeah. yeah. So pay attention to your introverts, and and when I'm coaching people on how to run meetings, I say. Before you make a decision, go around the room and get everybody's opinion. Don't let anybody not talk. And yeah, and that's right. You'll be, you'll be amazed at what you get, and listen to what you listen to what they're saying because you'll be amazed that you've gone for hours and hours or days and days talking about this decision, and now you're coming up and you're about to make a decision, and there are five people in the room and they haven't said a word, and you get them to start talking, and all of a sudden you realize, whoa, <laughs> we almost missed the boat here. <laughs> right and often they have perspectives um you know that the uh extroverts um you know haven't said that's right you do want to get that 360 right. um so i'm sure you've encountered people who don't listen very well what kinds of things do you observe around those kinds of people 
Well, um, honestly, first of all, we try not to have them on the team. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, prevent <laughs> problems from having. That's a good thing. Happening. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's, uh, you know, I think a matter of coaching and, 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 you know, giving them hopefully feedback that they ought to be, you know, great listeners, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do come back to this idea that, uh, you know, to, to listen more often than, than speaking is actually a valuable trait. And uh, there's also a culture of that that you can, you know, uh, encourage, right? So that, um, you know, everyone sort of has the expectation that that's what they should be doing, you know, in the, you know, any given team. I, I think part of it too is controlling your ego as the leader. Well, you don't need you, you don't need to have to be the guy in front. You don't have to be the one talking and all the bright ideas. I mean, in, in chatting with you, you strike me as being a very thoughtful, quiet um non-egoistic leader and that's why you're probably so successful uh I've, there are plenty of other people out there who are out in front and brash and we don't need to name names but we know who <laughs> <they are. laughs> i don't know who you're talking about doug i uh, <laughs> i don't i don't think they're so i don't think they're very effective um what's been your experience well um i, I you know i uh you know, I have a, I have a I have a personality that I do. It's probably you know built in to a large extent, so I kind of fall into a a certain uh, you know kind of uh, personality. Um, but I, I believe that's right. I mean, I think there are kind of numerous studies along the way that you know say that the the most uh, successful leaders you know tend to be the the ones that are you know not uh, the ones that have uh, you know big egos um, and uh, they they really do try to you know listen, which is something that we. Uh, talked about, and and so um, I, I think those are you know really things that uh, are are very important, uh, and and so uh, when we um, you know look for employees, we we, we look for you know people who uh, you know can perceive you know what others are doing and and uh, kind of encourage that culture you know where we're really trying to understand each other and letting the best ideas you know float to the top. Um, and uh, you know, execute on those ideas, and uh, really encourage a like a marketplace of ideas uh, for in, inside the company. Yeah, I think I, a long time ago I read a study that correlated serotonin levels with um, stock price, share price, <laughs> and there was a correlation uh, between CEOs that had high levels of serotonin, which makes them affiliative and outgoing and calm, and as opposed to low levels of serotonin, which lead to aggressive behavior. And it was just very interesting that that there was some support for the idea that if you're calm and reach out to build relationships, that it's that your company is going to do better than if you you're kind of that Wall Street maverick out there trying to tell everybody how cool and good you are. Um, really interesting stuff. I agree. I agree. So where does Karma Check go from here? You've been, what, it's been out for four years now? Yeah, we're four years old now. Um, you know, Karma Check, uh, you know, looks like a background check company today, but, uh, you know, we really started the company, um, you know, with this idea that uh, we wanted to be a digital identity platform um, mm. that could really create greater trust uh, online. Um, and, and we believe it's a very timely 
uh, you know, challenge on the internet these days uh, with, uh, you know, so much of the misinformation that is out there and, and the, you know, makes it so easy to meet people, but you don't know if you can really trust them. And right. so what we're trying to do is to kind of build this uh, trust layer that um, makes it possible to interact with, you know, a lot of people in this sort of so-called global village, uh, but have that level of trust that makes uh, interactions more meaningful, uh, whether it's uh, transactions or, you know, getting a, a, a getting a job or um, uh, opening up a bank account. And so there's a lot of things that rely on trust. And uh, we believe that uh, if we can be this trust layer, we're going to help, uh, you know, expand opportunities online. Is Karma Check going to go in the direction where some yo-yo like me can go on and say, I want to do business with X person and I can do a quick check. That would be great. Yeah, we, we'd love for you to be able to, you know, verify someone's uh, qualifications and credentials. Maybe look at their blue check mark um, if they have one and, uh, you know, gain some degree of trust that, uh, hey, this is a trustworthy, uh, you know, person on the other side. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, eBay, let's say, uh, expanded, uh, you know, plus plus, you know, going right. beyond just a marketplace. Right. So, uh, because when I looked at the platform, now it looks like it's, it's primarily directed towards employers more than anybody else. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and that's the main use case today around background checks. Uh, and so, you know, so many businesses use background checks to, to help with this, but that's certainly not where we want to finish up. Uh, we have some uh, secret plans uh, to uh, go beyond those, but it's a great place to start and uh, lots of opportunities even there. So, so how is artificial intelligence going to affect the business? Well, artificial intelligence is one of these things that I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, you know, I think a lot of people talk about, um, you know, uh, artificial, you know, general intelligence, you mm -hmm. know, AI that, uh, you know, mimics what a human can do. But I, I, I tend to think about AI in terms of um, so many different areas where you can apply that technology to make things um, more efficient, uh, smarter, certainly, but in, in, in all different diverse ways of application. And so I feel like uh, AI is gonna permeate uh, the technology landscape and uh, therefore uh, what we do as a society, uh, you know, everywhere. Uh, and in our own business, uh, there are um, processes that um, can really benefit from, you know, AI. Uh, you know, they could be done uh, you know, faster and more efficiently. And we even see numerous places where AI, we could apply in our own domain specific way and make things go better. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited over the next couple of years to really uh, explore that. I hope we'll kind of be this hybrid uh, AI, you know, technology, uh, you know, base in our product and uh, we'll be able to, you know, really create some, uh, you know, great features and functionality for our customers out there. AI just reminds me how fast change occurs. <clears throat> I teach I teach a graduate class in decision making under stress and conflict at, at uh, the Strauss Institute of Dispute Resolution at Pepperdine University, and I teach a I teach a winter intensive. And <clears throat> this year, for the very first time in twenty years, I in my syllabus I had to put in a statement about AI usage, whether or not you use ChatGPT, for example. And I I decided, hey, use it. Um, just recognize its limitations because the students, when they're writing papers, they're going to use it whether I say they can <laughs> or not, right? Might as well just give them permission. Um, 
but I wouldn't have even conceived of that a year ago. Um, and here we are today in a completely different world. I, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's exciting, as you say, it's exciting to sit out there and watch this technology develop. And there are people have a lot of fears, which are probably legitimate, uh, but still, it's remarkable to see how it is going to change our society in so many ways. Five years from now, I think the, the tools, the technology that we have is going to look um, so much unlike what we have today. Right. Uh, and it's going to be mind-blowing. Um, we won't even, even be able to imagine it. Um, I know. Exciting part of it. Crazy. Well, I got one last question for you, and then I'll let you go. What's Eric, what's one thing about you that we wouldn't know unless you revealed it to us? Oh, um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that I do to calm myself down, you know, so I can get some good rest for the next day is, uh, I, I watch Korean dramas and so, really? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you would, you know, think that those are just, uh, you know, in the uh, providence of teenagers, but, uh, uh, no, it's great. It's great. It's very soothing and relaxing and gets my mind off work. So there you go. And that's you surprising, right? That's interesting. And do you speak, obviously you speak and you're fluent in Korean? No, no, I'm, I I don't speak Korean at all, but maybe I can pick up a word here or there by watching the dramas. But you're just, you're getting it. <laughs> I just watch the subtitles. Oh, Off Netflix uh, mostly. Really interesting. Huh? <laughs> I've, I've never heard anything like that. Before. You well, asked for it, Doug. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, I'll reveal, I pick up, I, I play jazz violin. So every, every evening, five o'clock, Computer goes off, violin gets picked up, and an hour of an hour of jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Very soothing, I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, Eric, it's been a great pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Doug. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.